Hi guys, welcome to Art Talk with April, season three. I'm April Harris of Inked April, located in Birmingham, Alabama. We have some wonderfully inspiring artists on this season. Let's get started. Hi everyone, welcome to Art Talk with April, and today we have the very talented Chris Wade. He is in his studio at Low Mill. So there may be a little disruption in the background, but if so, that's just the life of having a studio there, right? Pretty much. <laughs> um, Chris is a painter and he does metal work and all kinds of drawing. I mean, I love what you do, Chris. I Thank could you. not believe when I came across your work, um, I believe on the Alabama Artist Group. I think is where I first connected with you kind of. Mm -hmm. And we were both complaining about the spam on the art group, I think. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, this just in. Chuck Chuck Norris is dead. (laughs) Viva McIntyre is dead. Bruce Willis is dead. I was like, okay, how did you get into art? Like, is this something that you started as a kid or did you go to school for it? Yeah, well, my dad was a drafter. Uh, my sister liked to draw and paint, and uh, my dad is a good technical artist. And uh, you know, before everything, right around the time where everything started going computer, you know, mm. and uh, he got me into drawing. I I was was really into drawing sports cars, and jets, and Mario Land, and. <laughs> Anything I was interested or fascinated with, I would be drawing for a while. I mean, for a while, I remember it was, I was probably seven or eight. I was fascinated with drawing mountains and fascinated with evergreens, thanks to Bob Ross. Yeah. Um, my grandma, my mom's side, she, she dabbled in painting. So she got me into watching Bob Ross and got me into uh, attempting to paint. But I, I was always better at drawing than I was at painting and then quit for a long time. I would take drawing classes in high school, but yeah, like I was always technically good at it, but I just couldn't think of anything to, to draw. You know, like I didn't have any original ideas. And, you know, by the time you're a teenager, it's like, okay, I'm either going to draw anime or I'm going <laughs> to, you know, um, or I'm bored. With, you know, <laughs> yeah. I would I dabble with drawing futuristic cities and Dragon Ball Z in nineteen or twenty when I had my first uh, aha moment. You know? uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we got someone grinding a rock in the two studios over. So, <laughs> um, yeah, my first aha moment came when I was like nineteen or twenty. I was having a synesthesia situation with uh, I'd, I've always seen color and seen places in my mind when I hear music. Kind of spilled over into well, I've got these watercolors. Maybe I'll like attempt to draw something that feels like what I'm seeing in the mind when I hear music. So that's how I accidentally stumbled onto like surrealism. I wouldn't call it stream of consciousness, although it could have been that. I don't, I don't know. But that's how I that's how I discovered surrealism by accident. I had forgotten all about being taught about surrealism in school. Forgot <laughs> about Salvador Dali and MC Escher and then <laughs> so I took some art classes in college, like, you know, Calhoun. And I started having these ideas of strange sci-fi worlds that were more surreal and had uh, aspects of them were melting in all different directions. And 
start playing with perspective and stumbling into MC Escher territory, but with a less mathematical, precise yeah. approach to things. And then, you know, started doing pictures of ships going off the edge of the ocean, you know, gave these ships leaf sails, started doing ships of flying in the sky with leaf sails, passing by hot air balloon light bulbs, um, <laughs> things like that. Just goofy ideas and then making up just these kind of fantastical scenes, you know, mostly on just eight by ten paper, you know, and um and then take me months. <laughs> and then then I did an eighteen by twenty four of a ship going off the edge of the ocean in ballpoint and that took me like three years. Um wow. yeah, but it's also a slow worker. Wow. Way too slow. And then I went to then I went to school for graphic design in my when I was like one five, I think. Well, something that the teacher told me. She said, "I would like to see you do three works of art that would represent how your upbringing affected you." Because she could tell that I had some unhealed trauma, and yeah. you know, some of the conversations we had kind of had similar family circumstances growing up. And so she said, "I think it'd be therapeutic for you if you would uh, do three works of art that would represent how your upbringing affected you." So I said, "Nah, I don't know about that." And then I passed by the Rocket and Ardmore on the state line, you know, the Alabama Welcome Center. And I realized, well, I've been having all these dreams about flying abandoned rockets. And, you know, some of them were exciting. Some of them were eerie. Some of them were like, you know, in the afternoon, I'm going through the woods. And society is just all like in campgrounds, I guess. Yeah. Strange, you know. And... Like everybody I knew was in this campground and I, I decided to go take a walk to the woods and, and there's this, there's this rocket in the woods and, you know, things like that are dreams of rockets taking off from the Madison Square Mall parking lot. Um, <laughs> back when that place existed, uh, yeah. <laughs> or giant rockets off in the distance where I come out of a building, there's just a rocket towering towering over me across the street wow. and it wasn't like it didn't feel like seeing a rocket in real life it felt as if being just face to face with a dream uh, you know a sense of a realization of this is what you're made for and you know this sense of are you ready to get on you're ready to board it you know, yeah. let's go yeah and it's this overwhelming kind of excitement when i was just awestruck so i'd have those dreams and i realized as i was passing by this rocket one night because I started seeing rockets everywhere. My sister moved back to town, brought her new dog over. Her dog's name is Rocket. And what if I actually found one in the woods? What would I do with it? If I was a kid, I'd probably probably make a homemade spacesuit. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, like a, a dirt bike helmet and a, yeah. a jacket and, and <laughs> my pants and you know boots and you know make a make a, a jetpack, make oh, a Coke awesome. bottle jetpack. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I got the, the fins. The oh, thrusters. that's so great. <laughs> um, this one, this thruster fell off, but you know, uh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, that's awesome. So the kid in my paintings is wearing is wearing a jetpack like that, and uh, yeah, I know astronauts don't wear jetpacks, but you know, still, was a kid now. <laughs> yeah. You know, so thinking, well, build my homemade spacesuit. I would invite all my friends. We would have this rocket as our secret hideout, and we'd build a treehouse into it. Yeah. And so that's when I got the first ideas for, uh, you know, I mean, if you can see 
that one up there. Yeah. It's, uh, I'll show you closer later. But, um, yeah, like, that was a Saturn 1B. It's the one on, the one in Ardmore, grown over by a tree with people climbing up in it and kids swinging on a swing from a branch. Just a happy scene, you know, because, time I was dealing with a lot of kind of I want to say existential crisis but you know kind of this uh feeling of having no idea what I was doing with my life at the time and you know when you're in your mid-20s and you think um I'm getting old (laughs) but then now you're you know and then 10 years later you're like oh man I wish I realized how young I was at the time (laughs) and uh wonder if I'll feel that way when I'm 46 but (laughs) Anyway, um, you will, you yeah, will. So, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I wonder if I'll think that way about how I feel now, but I just went crazy on these ideas of trying to capture that feeling of what I was dreaming because it felt like an escape. It felt like when I first saw your work, I thought, oh my gosh, this is so great. This is so cool. Um, because it is like you're creating like this kind of alternate universe place you know, where you're kind of exploring that um, through each painting or whatever. And I thought this is so cool because I just love like the branches or melting or the kind of like a juxtaposition between ideas or something that's going on. Are you doing watercolors? No, I started. Um, I mean, I was doing pen drawings at first and then yeah. Yeah, I was doing pen drawings of ballpoint. And then a teacher yelled at me for using ballpoint and uh told me it wasn't archival. So Yeah. <laughs> so I just started using ballpoint with watercolor instead. Um <laughs> and because I saw I saw somebody in I saw Caitlin Hackett in uh High Fructose magazine. Yeah doing ballpoint ballpoint drawings her. and painting in with watercolor. Yeah. Yeah. And so that kind of gave me the green light that I could that I could do that too and yeah why not but then it turned in yeah then then it then I realized watercolor is not getting me the kind of color depth that I need because probably because I couldn't afford a hundred dollar watercolor tubes you know and uh so I started with watercolor because I wanted color in my stuff and I was tired of it taking forever to color things in with a ballpoint and uh yeah. So I thought, well, if I could just spread the color over it, that'd be nice. And then I realized, okay, maybe uh, India ink is going to be more potent and give me, you know, more of what I'm looking for. And so then I went from India ink to eventually to straight up acrylic ink paintings. Mm. That's primarily what I do now is acrylic ink painting. Oh, and okay. All in watercolor paper, but. I'm actually starting to transition to painting on aluminum, painting on metal. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, there's one in the works. Oh, yeah. Like, this is on the metal itself, and I use countersunk screws. Yeah. And then the metal border. I love that. From it, so you can actually see there's a little bit of... Is that ink that you're working with there? Yeah, it's acrylic ink. And wow. a lot of it's air, you know, it's old, a lot of it's airbrushed. Okay. Um, so I started using airbrush over the past uh, year or two. Oh, nice. And yeah, using airbrush really kind of revolutionized my style because I was able to give a kind of a soft glow to things that that I couldn't achieve with just a brush. 
Yeah. yeah. I imagine probably if I were to go to oil paints, I could still get some of the same effects, but it would have brush strokes. And, mm-hmm. You know, but but it would probably be, it look a lot better than trying to do that with acrylic ink. Yeah. Um, honestly, acrylic ink is not nearly as potent as, uh, as India ink, but India ink dries super shiny and it's really hard to get the light colors to go over the dark colors, so... Right now, you know, acrylic ink, airbrush, um, just figuring out how to troubleshoot all that. Yeah. So you're kind of in that experimental phase where you're trying different things and trying to get the effects that you want. On the fence about whether or not I should go to oil, but if I do that, then that's, you know, that means I'm going to have to find a place to store paintings that are in progress. Or only work on one at a time until yeah. it's done, then start the next. It's just uh, the turnaround time on that. I don't know if, I, if it would be as practical as what I'm doing. You know, I've discovered that painting acrylic ink on surfaces other than watercolor paper seems to go faster than pastel boards, wood panel, aluminum. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm doing a lot of experimentation. Right yeah. Now. Um, you mentioned that it can take you a really long time to create something. So we're talking about like getting into the details of the painting that takes you more time. I'm usually working on a bunch of projects at once. So finding the time, realistically, if I were just to just to work on each painting a few days straight Mm -hmm. and then move on to the next one, I'd probably finish them one after another. Yeah. Um, I dealing with ADHD, you know, ADHD yeah. artist thing. Um, it's it can be difficult to uh, like I deal with this sense of panic. Uh, oh well, I have to have these all done, so I have to get this one done and this one and this one and this one. So <laughs> you know, so instead of just doing one right after another, I I jump around, I freeze up trying to juggle them all at once, and it's not a healthy way to do it. So you know, I'm, I do get very detailed. Um, yeah, I have a hard time. I, I also deal with perfectionism. You know, I I get really deep into trying to get the colors correct because I'm, you know, deal with the whole red green color deficiency. Mm. I still see color. I just a lot of time have a hard time telling if I'm seeing red or green. Yeah, um, I have a hard time telling if the color is accurate or not. Yeah, and yeah. Strangely enough, the thing that seemed to help out the most was realizing i can add gray into my colors a little bit mm-hmm. mute them out a little bit i'm like whoa that actually makes it more accurate huh? oh. not everything you see out in nature is extremely vivid you know yeah. and all my all my paintings were very vivid for some reason um i need to slightly dull these colors you know and if nothing else dull the colors so that the important ones can stand out, focal points. So, I mean, if every color is vivid, then none of the right colors stand out. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I'm starting to see things. I'm starting to really focus on color a lot, more than detail. Like I'm starting to do more simplistic paintings with the challenge of uh, the goal of making the colors just really pull people in. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think that's a smart choice. I think with your work, you know, that's a a really great way to go about it. So what would you say would be one of your biggest struggles as an artist? 
keeping up with all the things I got to do and letting it all fall to the side for marketing, social media. I, I need to hire somebody, handle my social media and applying for shows for me. The way I can actually spend the time I need on getting the work done, getting the prints made, you know, some help with cleaning up my website, easier to navigate and more thorough, but also less confusing. You know, aside from that kind of thing, just the logistics of marketing as an artist, I really never learned that kind of thing in art school. I mean, I took marketing and still barely learned anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't teach anything about social media marketing. It was just all about principles of marketing. But yeah. Social media adds in a whole different, whole different world. <laughs> oh yeah, got to keep up with the algorithms. Your yeah. your beautiful masterpiece of a painting that you worked so hard on is not nearly as interesting as a girl lip syncing and and doing a choreographed dance, <laughs> you know, or or somebody doing doing uh you know a, a quick ten second line drawing with some trending music. Yeah, you know. People are entertained by the simplest, dumbest stuff. And and all the brilliant stuff is getting swept under the rug. Yeah, yeah. Social media. Unless you can find a way to do something that stands out, trending away. Mm. Uh, or, or some kind of gimmick. You gotta swing a bucket of paint over a canvas and then spin that canvas and then dump <laughs> black paint on it and spin the canvas. And do and cartwheels and flips and sing a song. <laughs> Yeah, where the struggle then becomes, I'm pissed off at the world of social media. I'm pissed off at the trends. I'm pissed off at the challenge, I'll say. And it can be a struggle, but the challenge is to keep a good attitude. Mm. I think that's like one of the hardest things to do. And because it's so easy to be just angry and want to give up. Yeah, frustrating. Then I want to know that it's worth it. I want to know that I want to know that my artwork is having a positive effect, a positive impact on on somebody. You know yeah. that somehow I'm actually contributing to society, to society, and making the world a better place through my work. But you know, oftentimes it can feel as if as if you're just trying to. It could, it could feel like I'm like I'm just making it all me me me. But it's like well, I have to remember. I'm the one experiencing this. So to a degree, you cannot escape the me, 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 you know, but realistically, there's times I think if I didn't have to worry about money, I would just paint and give my paintings away. If I had my bills paid and I could have uh, a, a good workspace to work on things and I wouldn't care about trying to sell my work. I wouldn't even care about trying to make my stuff go viral. I would just do it for the joy of it and <laughs> give my paintings away or give them to friends and family, give them to, I remember I started working at space camp and I would do drawings for people. I started working at space camp after I finished uh, school. I started doing all the, uh, the rocket. Sometimes people would be all like, Oh, draw me a picture. I want, you know, this <laughs> during training, I drew a really cool scene on the guy's, lab manual and he still has it you know like that was seven seven years ago or something for a, a friend who referred me to be you know to work there and then i i drew the firefly spaceship for another guy who was going to pay me for it and i gave it to him i said happy birthday and uh <laughs> and then i 
I drew something for somebody else and she turned her nose up at it and uh, <laughs> and acted like she hated it. And then she oh my God. tried then she tried to commission me a painting. <laughs> so me me not knowing what I was doing, I was like, uh, you know, I don't know if maybe I was trying to buy people's approval at the time, but the guy I did the spaceship for, I wasn't trying to buy his approval. He and I were already cool and I just liked drawing things and entertaining people with it and i would draw pictures for my teams like i would each week i'd have a different team of kids i would draw a picture make a copy of it for each one of them and oh, that's awesome it'd, it'd be elaborate in detail and there's not enough time to draw for all the people i want to draw for it tends to happen that the uh the right people tend to pop up right at the right time you know like whether you want to call it God or the universe or the quantum field or whatever, go uber spiritual or whatever, you know, all the same concept to me. But yeah, um, but you know, I believe that a provider, you know, provides the right opportunities and the right customers at the right time. But yeah, it's really difficult to remember to trust it, you know. And the challenge that I have been really thinking about has been or been mindful of is to keep a good attitude to uh, don't trust in social media. Don't trust in, I don't even trust in my own ability to go try and talk people into buying my work or to try and sell my work to them, to try and sell them, sell the idea to make them want it. To me, I honestly see that as manipulation. Mm -hmm. Like, and I don't want any part of that. Like I don't, in a perfect world, well, in a perfect world, we, we wouldn't need money at all. But you know, in a in an ideal setting, like I wouldn't be, I would just do the art, make it available, people come get it, and I just enjoy doing the art yeah. and making it available. And uh, well, know. I mean, I yeah, I mean, I get it. I think you know, artists having to kind of wear all those hats and do all those things, it's frustrating because really what you're truly wanting to do is just to make the art and, yeah. you know, live a decent life where you're not, you know, broke or something. and You're not burned out and just yeah. want to rip your hair off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You just want to make make art and, you know, live your life but then you've got to figure out a way to pay the bills and do all the all the things that people do you know with their yeah. um careers and stuff and so yeah then you've got social media on top of that it's a real kind of pain in the ass to have to worry about yeah, it is <laughs> i mean they, like, what is this everybody seems to think Oh, you're an artist. You you just get to do whatever you want all the time. <laughs> you know, you just get to you get to sit there and you know color pictures all day. It must be nice just to be able to color pictures all day. And I'll be like, it must be nice to be able to limit your work to eight, you know, six to eight hours a day, and then be done with it without, you know, having to be the boss, having to be the social media manager, having to be the marketing department, having to be the the customer service rep and uh you know and put out fires and do the job at the same time you know it just always 
it never felt right to me when people say, you know, being an artist is 90% all the other work and 10% actually painting. I'm like, then how am I going to get it in film? Yeah. So I'm going to paint. Like, and if I have to, I'll pay somebody to do the, do the, the dirty work. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll make social media posts and stuff, but I'll try to get good at TikTok. Hey, TikTok. But um, <laughs> it's just this feeling of, I worked really hard on this painting for months and I'm so glad I could post it on Instagram to get 30 likes on it and I keep up the good work. You know, like, yeah. have you seen that, that reel with the, or that sound bite where it's like, it's this, you know, kind of happy techno music. And then, then you hear a group of kids yell, thanks. And, uh, I, I made a reel with that and it was panning over one of my pictures and then and then you see my thumb go up as it yells thanks and it's uh captioned in quotes keep up the good work client or and then and then customer leaves and never comes back so like <laughs> thanks another one i want to do is that same one but it says uh instead of keep up the good work it's oh i could never afford your art thanks <laughs> you know we're totally getting off topic from art and we're getting to, we're getting on the topic of all the things artists hate <laughs> so uh sorry about that uh well, let me let me ask you this yeah so i kind of feel like your work would be really great like juxtapose or oh man uh, yes high fructose um where else there's high fructose and beautiful bizarre magazine i think yeah so i would love to get into those i just don't really know how you know oh, i mean man, you just need to go and submit yeah i if, if we're being quite honest it's a matter of I have not taken the time to really research it. And there's a, there's honestly a, uh, an anxiety that goes with it. You know, like, you know how it is applying for things. There's that anxiety of, will they re accept or reject it? And I, you know, I don't deal with rejection well, honestly. Um, and I've had to learn to, but I, I'm still, it's strange. Sometimes applying for things, it's almost as if being turned down can be relieving. Because it's a comfort bubble that's not good for me, you know? Like, mm -hmm. it means that's work I'm not going to have to do. But that's also growth I'm not going to get to experience, you know? Mm -hmm. And I really, really want to get in those shows or in those magazines. Um, just need to, you know, in the words of... Uh, Woody Harrelson from Zombieland, nut up or shut up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Stop talking about all the things I want to do that I'd like to do and actually just do it. Yeah. You know? It's time to stop making excuses for my failures or for the things I haven't accomplished. Stop blaming other people who I'm jealous of and start, uh, start actually going for the things I, I really want to achieve in life, you know? And, uh, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to like, you know, um, 
give you false encouragement or anything, but I feel like your work is really great and that you should submit it. Just like pick one, just pick one. And just because it, you know, it may not get in or if it does, you know, just don't worry about that. Like just, just submit, 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 submit. Yeah. Just a lot of those, a lot of those applications yeah, the, the other side of the coin is they all want like a $50 submission fee. Oh, yeah. Don't it's do like, that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> how, how often can I afford to do that? You know? I know. <laughs> but like you know, some of them are $10, $15. But there's areas that I really want to go into. Like you said, those magazines. Um, I want to get shows out in LA. I love to get shows in, you know, the big cities, you know. Um, when you know there's somebody dumping buckets of paint on a canvas and getting paid seventy thousand dollars for that crap, like, <laughs> sorry, I, I think it's crap. Uh, I could be wrong, but like, you know, it's just it's just paint pouring but bigger. That's all. You know, and I'd love to get into illustrating kids' books or finding writers. Just haven't researched it yet. Yeah. It's one of those things that I'm really it's really burning in me to do. I feel like and, you always have the the beginnings of a story because of your oh yeah. worlds that you're creating. You know, you're already looking yeah. at it from the perspective of if I was a little kid and I and I came across this rocket, what would happen? That's yeah. the story right there. That's that's the adventure. Yeah. That I've gets got prose happened. poetry that goes along with it too. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, some of it's very deep and dark, you know, and people they look at my work and they think it's about rockets, but it's not. Yeah. You know, it's, it's about internal condition, you know, mm. it's about, uh, you know, the tree through the rocket is the, uh, the things we've internalized since we were kids mm. and the rocket being that hope, that promise, that dream, that things, you know, where we want to go, who we want to be. It's representative of all that, all that stuff. And uh, so the prose poetry that I've started right with it has to do with um, the thought process, the, uh, the way it all feels. And I'm just kind of digging back up the kind of the things that happened that led to it, you know, the, mm-hmm. not specific, uh, not specifically more in a poetic sense, you know, but not specifically naming those things or those people, you know, mm-hmm. like those things or those people represented by other symbolism, you know. Sure. Um, all the rocket stuff's a journey, you know, from yeah, yeah, yeah. detriment to, hey, let's let's take a childlike approach for for a minute, build the tree houses, you know, get a better vantage point, better perspective on things, and, you know, then hey, you know, maybe it's time to move on and discover new dreams and forgive ourselves, forgive the other people, yeah, and because because honestly, a lot of it. Uh, you know, being stuck in this kind of wasteland of these abandoned rockets, um, specifically called close to home. Yeah. Um, kind of a representation. Oh, I love that. Two sides of me, you know, the older, more experienced, more battle hardened, you know, or emotionally hardened side of me. And then the, uh, and the kid. Yeah. Um, and it's like the younger, more innocent, more adventurous side of me. Yeah. And 
Um, so it's like, in a way, like this, you know, I came up with this sort of picture, mental image, or idea that this the young kid is like the young adventurous side of me before the damage happened. You know, that just, I, I guess I, I would, I need non, I started using non-glared glass, but I need to put it in this one. Yeah. Um, but that's great. And then, see, when when I look at your work, it it really has a story to it, you know. Like even yeah. if it weren't um, children's um, stories, it could be you know a graphic novel kind of thing. Yeah. So I just don't know about like an actual story story in the sense of a plot necessarily. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's more. It's more. I don't know. I don't want to say abstract or sur- surreal or. It's almost like a dream sequence in a way, you know, like yeah. it's not a uh, good guy has this obstacle, good guy beats the obstacle, the end, yay. It's uh, more of a dream sequence from place to place or from, mm-hmm. I would say the, the young kid in my paintings mm-hmm. is more of like the true identity, the, the real, like that pure nature of who I, of who I am. Um, yeah. The older kid is the, uh, I've seen some stuff mm-hmm. and I want to protect you. I want to protect that innocent side. And uh, it's like, you know, where Jesus said, above all, guard your heart because it's a wellspring of life. Everything you are, your reality, your life, it all comes from what you put in your heart, what mm-hmm. you, what you dwell on, what you think on, um, don't believe the negative voices. Don't believe the stepmom called you a sorry kid. You know, don't believe when, you know, people tell you you're a failure or a reject, you know, like start believing that when I was in fourth grade. Yeah. You know? yeah. And uh, I think that that speaks to a lot of people, you know, and I love the way that you're, um, I don't know, illustrating it or um, using symbolism to kind of work through those ideas. Yeah. Uh, those things. That's so awesome. You know, I'll be, I'll be in here probably Wednesday through Saturday or at least Thursday through Saturday. Um, yeah, we we're here. We're open 11 to 7. But, you know, if people want to come see my work, they're welcome to message me to make sure I'm going to be there. So let's say I've. I don't have just the rocket stuff. I've got more surreal kind of stuff and I've got more playful stuff. I've got pet portraits and goofy animals in space suits. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> really weird art too. And, <laughs> uh, you know, so I like, I like to kind of see my work as kids art for people, Yeah, for, <laughs> you know, for, for adults and for kids, but you know, some of it's also kind of a mix of whimsical and dark and uh eerie but inviting you know um yeah it's a good mix i think you know it's really interesting um it has depth to it and meaning and purpose you know so you take commissions how do people get in touch with you to do that message me Yeah. yeah instagram I'll show you this, even though this has nothing to do with the question you just asked. <laughs> oh, that's cool. 
So I'm starting to get it back into my roots a little bit of doing some space art too. I mean, yeah. There's an example of the riveted metal that I paint on. Oh, that's great. Um, so there's these two kids are going to be on top of this rubble pile looking off in the distance. Oh, that's awesome. As a bark spiral I'm working on. Some of my stuff is actually taking a, a more surreal turn. Yeah. You know, most impressionism, but not, you know, not exactly detailed. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, they can find me at Low Mill um, Studio 2048. Uh, they can also find me on Instagram at Ethereal Geometry. Yeah. That's E T H E R E A L. Anyway. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today, Chris. Oh, yeah. Thanks for letting me ramble. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of Art Talk with April. For more information on this episode, join the Facebook group, The Art Lounge. Please subscribe and share. See you next Tuesday. Hope you have a great week.